Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Right now, uh, Foreign Affairs Minister Christy Freeland uh, was uh, doing the talk show circuit over the weekend. Uh, she spoke with uh, Global TV's Mercedes Stevenson uh, about uh, her optimism uh, to still reach an NAFTA deal that's going to be favorable to all three parties. I'm not so sure that everyone shares that sort of optimism these days. Let's get Marvin Ryder into the conversation. Business professor at, of course, the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University here in Hamilton. Thanks for coming in. Good to have you. Glad here to today. be here, Bill. Uh, let's t- let's talk about optimism at this stage. Uh, you know, if you can cut through the bombast and the rhetoric uh, if, that you're hearing, not just from Donald Trump, but from Larry Kudlow and a bunch of other folks right now, mm-hmm. uh, who seem to be pushing against Canada. Uh, I'm not getting that vibe from Lighthizer uh, with some of the comments he's made. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, we should stay, say at the beginning here that there's an old song that says, Rainy Days and Mondays Get Me Down. This is a combination, Rainy Monday, <laughs> so I should be down. But I am still uh, cautiously optimistic. Now, another week has gone by with no NAFTA deal. We're now into double digits in September. Remember that October 1st deadline looms. This is when Donald Trump wants to be able to take to Congress some final text that he certainly has with Mexico, but he would like to add Canada to it one way or another. Uh, If I just focus on the negotiations themselves, I think it was a productive week last week, and it seems that we're down again to the final three. Uh, The first one, and we've talked about this several times, is around supply management and milk. Larry Kudlow says that's the whole sticking point, M-I-L-K, milk. I'm not sure it really is. I think we have a route that we've demonstrated with both the European Free Trade Agreement and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is to allow more American milk in. And I think all we're doing is arguing how much. I think the Americans want us to take all limits off and just let the milk flow in whatever way they want. And I think we're saying no. Right now, we let in roughly 3% of what we consume. Maybe we're talking about making it 6 And so there's some horse trading going on there. But that, that strikes me as something we can solve relatively quickly. Uh, The cultural industry one, that's sort of a new one we hadn't talked about before, and I'm not quite sure that's code for something. It's either code for our uh, broadcasting industry and and, uh, telecommunications industry. In other words, uh, the Americans want free, unfettered access into the Canadian world of telecommunications, internet, etc., and we're probably pushing back. Or it has something to do with other broadcast rights Apparently, we, Canada, angered the United States when we allowed American Super Bowl uh, ads to be shown in Canada rather than the other way around. So I don't know. But I think that's relatively easy to solve. The big sticking point, and it was the sticking point 25 years ago, is dispute resolution. And I'll even say this to you, Bill. I, I am a little surprised that Mexico seems to have agreed to a deal with the United States without having this resolved because it affects them just as much as it affects us. Basically, a dispute resolution. Some company says, I'm being unfairly tra- uh, uh, treated under NAFTA. I'd like to appeal whatever's going on somewhere. The current rule, the current rule, this is why we want to f- defend what's called Clause 19, is that a three-person tribunal is appointed, one person from each of Canada, Mexico, and the United States. They hear this, they rule, etc. The, what the United States wants is that if there's any dispute involving an American company, it's only solved by an American judge. And that's it, full stop. Oh, oh, if it's about you and Mexico, fine. We can have three-person three person tribunals, but with us, it's the other way. We say, no, we can't have one rule for you and one rule for the rest of us. And, and uh, somebody said, is this a hill to die on? I, I don't think it's a hill to die on for either side. I don't think it's something that the United States should give up on or Canada should give up on. We, we just need to negotiate, and I'm sure they're working through the fine points question, though, is we've been at this for 13 months. Can we get a deal in the next week or so so the text can be ready for October 1st? And I will say time is beginning to run out. 
and let's get into the the dispute resolution thing, and yep. and and because I think it's very important, and I think it's a, one of the reasons why it seems to be a sticking point. Obviously, is because in past uh, years there have been a number of uh, disagreements, shall we say? Yes. Uh, and an awful lot of the time it involves the United States. And an awful lot of the times the United States lost. Yeah. So uh, they took an action. We would appeal it under NAFTA. We would win. And, and I think what Trump looks at is that's not right. My actions are always right. You're, you're wrong. And, and so he wants a mechanism that he can better control. Um, now, I, if you just look in the last year, you can think of two things that happened. One was there were softwood lumber tariffs, and we've promised to appeal that to both the World Trade Organization and under NAFTA. Three previous times we appealed, three previous times Canada was found to be the guilt or to be the, the infringed upon party here that the United States did something wrong. But having said that to you, I was shocked as anything last year when Boeing made allegations against Bombardier and when it all the dust all settled, the internal American people said, yeah, no, there's no damage here, a case dismissed. And you think, well, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that if American judge hears things that it wouldn't go our way. It's just that there's a bit more impartiality in the judges, and I think that's what we want to hold out for. Well, uh, especially when you have elected judges and uh, this is an election year, you don't know what's going on. And that's right. not to create that perception because I, I, I get a little skittish every time I hear people saying, well, uh, judges always make decisions based on politics. That's not true. No. Uh, you know, that they're, 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 they're lawyers. They adhere to the law. Uh, and we like to think that's going to happen. But you want to make sure, first of all, uh, that's why, for instance, the Supreme Court is not one person. Uh, there's a series of judges there because you want to have that discussion and that debate on key issues. That's why I think the, the tripartite uh, uh, panel that they've set up currently right now seems to work. But is that a hill that the United States wants to die on? Yeah, see, this, and this becomes very interesting. So if, I was talking about the negotiations. Now, if we just pull back from the negotiations, you mentioned Christia Freeland was on the talk show circuit. Well, Donald Trump was on the circuit as well. That's not like him. And that's not, you know, it's so unusual for him to speak out. And um, just amazing rhetoric from an American president. And, and as soon as I think I've been amazed, I need a word ultra amazed, I think, now, because he just keeps going farther. At one point on the weekend, he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting exactly here, you know, I love Canada, but I can ruin you in a heartbeat. Who says that? This sounds like a supervillain out of some, this some is, Marvel you know what, movie. You know what this is akin? This is Khrushchev's We Will Bury You. Yeah, well, I guess so. It's just, I've never heard language like this. How can you love us and at the same time threaten the ruination of our economy? I can ruin you. I can ruin you. Who says those things? Now... I will tell you this, Bill. He, he has threatened that if we don't come in, we don't join, well, you know, I'm going to have to put tariffs on that auto sector, whatever that means. We don't know if it means finished goods or parts or what it's going to mean. And he says that like it's going to hurt us. It is going to hurt us. It would cause a recession in Canada, no doubt about it. And with it, the political damage to Justin Trudeau, you know, many people would not forgive him if, if Trump did this and caused us to go into recession. But at the same time, it's like an exploding bomb the United States would go back into a recession, too. His own automobile companies say, please don't do this. Every economist says you'd plunge us back into a recession, especially as he heads into an election not that far down the road, excuse me, himself. How many times do pundits say, it's the economy, stupid? If he was to put the country back into a recession, it doesn't bode well for him. I feel like these are hollow threats, that this is just bluff and bluster. That should be ignored. And I would have ignored if it was anybody else but Trump. But he just is, 
unpredictable well, enough that he could pull the trigger. Well, the steel and aluminum tariffs were supposedly an idle threat, too, and, and here we are dealing yeah. with them. Uh, it's interesting, though, how the, the auto manufacturers are starting to maybe try to stick-handle around this, because he, he has talked about foreign ownership and and, uh, and, full, and more U.S. components, etc. cetera. Uh, and what was the example we heard of over the weekend? It's the Ford Focus hatchback, I guess, that's actually made offshore. I think it's made uh, someplace in the Orient. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And so Trump has proposed a tariff right now that says I think it's a 25% tariff on everyone that gets imported back to the States. And uh, Ford announced on Sunday, he said, you know what? We're not going to import them. We're not going to sell those in the States anymore. So you're not going to get any money from us at all. So there. So you got to think that, they, you know, in the head offices, in all the three major automakers, they're trying to find a way to get around this, too. They're not simply going to acquiesce. And they've already lobbied Washington to say, don't do this. Well, and you're, and you're right. They're thinking about it. But the question is, do I need a short-term solution or do I need a long-term solution? If you take steel as an example, and we had the steel summit here Friday in Hamilton, um, and again, I'm probably being Mr. Chipper here, maybe a little too glass half full, but I'm not sure there's been a huge amount of impact on our steel and aluminum industries in 2018. Contracts were signed, products being delivered, and temporarily or on a short-term basis, companies are spending the money on the tariffs. They don't like it. They've applied to Washington for exemptions, but they're doing it. However, as you look to 2019 and 2020, they aren't placing orders for that steel because they don't know what the long-term implication is. A great example here in NAFTA, so another prize, if I can call it that, not only could we get an agreement, but presumably if we ink an agreement with the United States, then say goodbye to those steel and aluminum tariffs. That seems to me to be the quid pro quo. Once I have NAFTA, I don't need these tariffs. That would be great news for us. So the sooner it happens, the better it would look for 2019 and 2020. That's another prize Christy Freeland has to work on. So you know, what do what are we prepared to concede on? I think we're prepared to allow more American uh, dairy and chicken and egg products into Canada. And now I think we're just talking about how much. I think culturally, I think we're prepared to allow some American companies into our internet and telecommunications world, uh, probably not unfettered access, but we'd open up a certain amount of it. Uh, but I think dispute resolution is really the clause. And that was the same thing 25 years ago when the first NAFTA was signed. It was still being discussed and the ink was still drying three hours before they had the official signing ceremony. It's just that difficult. But how how much of an impact is, is the, the Trump bombast in situations like this? The, the I'll ruin the Canadian economy. Uh, those sorts of things. Uh, you know, I'm going to impose even more tariffs. Uh, you know, I mean, even going back, I mean, if, you know, people like to look back to that G7 meeting in Quebec back <laughs> yes. in the summertime and yeah. say, well, that's that's uh, that's when things fell apart between Trump and Trudeau. I'm not so sure that they were very strong to begin with ever. But, uh, but essentially, because Trump's comments before he got on the plane and took off, was that, yeah, we, you know what, we pretty much have an, uh, an after deal right now. Canada's decided, you know, they've agreed to give in on uh, supply. Men. Well, and, and Trudeau got up there and said, that's not true. Uh, and it, you know, he, he didn't stab him in the back, as, as Trump characterized it. He just said, we did not do that. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, and clearly, he's right, because that's still on the table. <laughs> still on the table, right. Well, I think, I think, again, that's quite true. Trump blew into that meeting, that G7 meeting. Uh, there was a, apparently a very productive meeting between Justin and, and uh, uh, Donald and, and all their other colleagues around there, and they seem to have made some progress. Uh, however, when a piece of paper got circulated a couple hours later that said, now we've talked about this and we sort of agreed to this, it was actually the Americans who said, whoa, 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 no, no, we didn't, we didn't actually say that, we didn't actually say that. So then as Trump does his goodbye press conference, remember he left early because yep. he had to get to Russia, I think it was, um, 
uh, he then said, well, you know, we have all these things. Well, no, we didn't have these things. And then when Justin corrected the record as the host, because that's his job as the host of the G7, uh, Trump came back and said, oh, you don't think I have TVs on Air Force One? I saw what you said there. Well, you're going to have to pay. I, I, again, I think, fortunately, Christia Freeland, uh, Robert Lighthizer, their Mexican counterpart, are, are negotiating in good faith, not in the media, and they're really trying to ignore what their bosses say. I don't think Christian Freeland should react to Donald Trump's claim of bombast. He wants to, I guess, soften the field by threatening big guns, threatening big bombs into the Canadian economy. What he's actually doing is stealing our resolve. I think most Canadians, like Justin Trudeau said, would prefer no deal to a bad deal. So get us the best deal you can, but if it's not going to work, don't sign a deal. We're not going to let that Trump win. What about these deadlines that seem to come and go? (laughs) You mentioned time is running out. Uh, That's... Uh, according to whose timetable? Yeah, fair enough. So uh, uh, they had a deal inked with Mexico by September 1. Uh, Then they have 30 days to actually produce the written version of the deal. Then in theory, uh, uh, the Mexican government and the American Congress would review it. The American Congress will not approve it by December 1 because, of course, there's the midterm elections. But in theory, the Mexican president, the current Mexican president, Peña Nieto, he could sign this deal before he leaves office on December 1. So I think they're still trying to move down that track. Having said that to you, Bill, and and there's always this tug of war in Washington between Donald Trump and these other branches, the Senate and the House, it seems very clear that the Senate and the House don't want to deal with NAFTA if Canada is not part of it. They don't really want to look at a U.S.-Mexican deal, and especially they think Canada should be there. So I don't think whether we have the deal by October 1 is really a a deal breaker for us. Now, what would Mexico do? The the incoming president, uh, Lopez Obrador, has said he would have signed the deal. Uh, that he still wants Canada there and he still respects us. So I'm not hearing anything that would give me pause. But obviously, the sooner we can get this resolved, the sooner we can get those tariffs off steel and aluminum, the better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah, but the Republicans in Congress are, are saying one thing and doing another. They're, yes. they're, they're saying we want Canada in this. You know, that that's, this is what this whole thing is about, is about trade between all three countries. But on the other hand, they turn around and pretty much give Trump whatever he wants. They have been doing that, and, and I think some of that you can attribute to the American political system. They have this marvelous thing called primaries. So even if I am the incumbent, I have to win a primary to name me as the Republican candidate. And I think some of the Republicans were afraid to take on Donald because Donald might have backed their opponent, and then they couldn't get reelected. Those races are almost pretty much done now as we head towards the midterms. And now that I'm the affirmed Republican candidate in a riding or a war, an area that is pretty Republican, uh, maybe I won't fear Trump as much. And I, I have to still hope hope that's the case, that there will be uh, good Republicans who will step forward and say, this, this is it's time to rein him in. The other, re- the other rationale for that, Bill, is if they don't calm him down in some way, they could be headed to a flip in power. In other words, there may be enough Democrats elected this fall to swing the power in the House. There may be enough Democrats elected this fall to swing the power in the Senate. And for sure, if the Democrats control the Senate and the House, they would go after much of this as well. So the Republicans may have to be doing something to rein Trump in. I still think there's drama coming later this fall. But for the moment, again, it's still just us at the table hoping for the best. Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being here today. Glad to be here, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.